Welcome to a new episode of What the Tech Just Happened. This week, we're covering everything from Rob test driving a Tesla. Yeah, I did. And we're looking at Amazon's first cashierless grocery store, how Warren Buffett is finally getting himself a phone upgrade, and more. So stay tuned for What the Tech Just Happened. to be here. We have a very full list of topics to yeah. talk about today. Yeah, I was looking at it. Fun stuff. So we both came prepared with massive amounts of information <laughs> to share. <laughs> a lot happening in the tech world. So um, I wanted uh, the first thing we were talking a little bit before we started recording is you uh, had your first Tesla experience. I did. So I have only seen a Tesla on the road. I have never driven one myself. So I am itching to find out what your driving experience was like. I'm actually super excited about this. So I I brought my car, which is a Nissan Rogue, in for just a normal maintenance. And one of my boys, I have twin boys, 21 years old, and um, they reached out to me and said, Dad, we are test driving a Tesla for the day. You want us to pick you up? I'm like, heck yeah. (laughs) So they, um, they came and uh, picked me up, and we drove around for a couple of hours, uh, and they let me to get behind the driver's seat, and it was spectacular. I mean, I got was to see the Was it spectacular or tech-spacular? It was tech-stacular. <laughs> <laughs> we did this last time, too. We're trying we? to make new words, yeah. So does it... Uh, uh, let's... Give me more detail. Did you get in into it? Does it drive just like a normal car, or does it automatically drive... Wait, what's the word? Autonomously? Autonomous, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not, so I don't know all the levels, but I I understand it goes from like a a zero to a level four, level four being a completely autonomous vehicle. And my son said that this probably falls in the range of like a 1.5. Okay. Now, a lot of the patents and stuff, you know, you'll find in some of the other cars that you you, you can just normally buy that, you know, have that. Um, cruise control. Well, cruise control oh. would, be, would be one. Okay. And the, the side mirror, so the blind side detection would okay. be part of autonomous vehicles. Yep. But also doing um, parallel parking where you can take your hand off and it automatically parallel parks it oh, for you. Oh, like the, um, we saw the the commercial for the new one, the self-parking. Exactly. Seemed. So that's all so, part yeah. of autonomous vehicles and that might be like a 0.5 or, or less. Okay. So this one here is a 1.5, so it's pretty high up and it can do a lot of kind of crazy things. So we're driving and I'm in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, for those that are in other parts of the world. And we're driving down Elm Street, and I asked them, I said, so, like, on the street here, will will it take over? And they said, well, I don't know, Dad, probably not. It's usually for highway, but give it a shot. So you do this thing where you take your, where the blinker is, and you tap it down twice, and a little light showed up, and they said, oh, yeah, it's it's ready to go. And I said, what does that mean? He said, you can take <laughs> your hands off the wheel. I'm like, What? So I take my hands off the wheel, I take my hands off the accelerator, and it's driving on its own. So it detects things to the right, to the left. It has mirrors and sensors everywhere. And for people who don't know, so Rob's talking about Elm Street in Manchester, which is the main, actually, did you know, fun fact, I don't know if this is still true, but it is the longest 
um, dead end road. It's a dead end on both sides oh. and the longest one in the United States. I did not know but that. But it is the main road in the city of Manchester where all the restaurants, um, uh, housing, schools. I actually think there's maybe two or three schools on that road alone. Uh, so massively busy. So massively Rob is busy. driving an auto hoping an autonomous vehicle is driving itself on one of the busiest roads in Manchester, New Hampshire. So back in the day, they <laughs> nicknamed it Manch Vegas, and, and then they actually opened up a club and called it Manch, Manch Vegas. Vegas. Yes. And now you have the full history of <laughs> Manchester, New Hampshire. So there I am, and I and I do it, and I take my hands off the wheel, and this thing is now literally driving on its own. Now I'm scared to death to let a machine, you know, right. have my life in its hands. So I'm, you know, inches away from the steering wheel, but they're like, dad, relax. And then some pedestrians came on a crosswalk. I'm like ready. And then the car automatically detected it, slowed down, let the pedestrians go through. Oh my gosh. And then started back up again. You can see it has a, a huge um, display. Yep. I've seen that. Yep. So you get to see, you know, for the GPS and it has a lot of other things that you're able to sense too. It can show you the traffic lights, where they are coming up, what color they are uh, and, and so on. It was truly an experience. I, I really did feel like I so was So how long the did future. you, how lo long or how far did you drive with it in that mode? Um, it, it basically the, all of, all of main street, I could have gone on as long as I wanted to. Um, as soon as I turned though, and you touch the wheel, then it, 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 shuts it lets off, you take control, back. lets you take over just like kind of like cruise control. If you're on cruise control and you just tap the accelerator, then, you know, you, you now take over and the cruise control stops. Right. So there was, because I, I can refer everything back to an episode of Friends or Silicon Valley. <laughs> uh, there was an episode in the first season of Silicon Valley where um, there was like a genius investor tech guy in Silicon Valley. And he had developed this car that you just had to program and you sat in it and it drove you away like this little teeny tiny car. But it misunderstood the, the programming and it wouldn't let this this guy get out or move and he ended up like on a freight carrier in the middle <laughs> of the ocean. Yes. Um, but so this is once you once you latch your hands back on the wheel of a Tesla, it gives you that control back. It gives back. you the control back. That's right. Uh, and this one here, I didn't see it in action, but my, my sons tell me that it has a car call on it so that you can um, come out of a building and uh, it's part of the app and you go ask for the car and it drives no. to you. Yes. So, and I'm, I'm like, and that's just a 1.5, huh? And they said, yeah. <laughs> that's like the future to me. Yeah. That's not 1.5. Yeah, it's crazy. That's nuts. So, you know, I, I've, I've heard like mixed uh, news stories and, and all of that are around Tesla's where people are saying that it's still risky or, you know, maybe there's been, I think there's been a couple of accidents over the past couple of years where people who are, it, when it, it was driving in that autonomous state, there's still some sort of human responsibility for Absolutely. someone being in a car, right? Yeah. So I think if you go back, you know, any new car that comes out, any, any make model out there is going to have crashes. It's going to have right. uh, problems that arise. You know, remember back in the day, the, the, the Pintos had the exploding gas <laughs> tanks and, right. you know, so there's a, there's a lot of things that, that happen. And then, you know, manufacturers take a look at it. They try to uh, um, limit that as much as they possibly can mitigate the, you know, any of the, those types of damages. Um, and, and technology will take over to fix that. Well, Tesla, of course, with this 
completely new technology and being in the forefront of autonomous vehicles, the spotlight's going to be on them. So they've made a number of these cars. I don't have those stats because I know that's usually your next question. How many of these have <laughs> I'm been not, I'm not going to ask you any factual <laughs> stats. <laughs> when something does happen, it's going to make headline news. And there have been, over the years, there have been a couple of crashes. I think there was one that was in 2016, and then one of the most recent ones was 2018. There was a couple of malfunctions. They, they went to court and because they, they wanted to find out exactly what happened here. So the uh, NTSB, which is the National Transportation and Safety Board, determined that overall it was the driver that wasn't paying attention. So the forward collision warning didn't work, and then the emergency brake system did not activate. So what ha- ended up happening is the car veered off and actually went into a guardrail and ended up killing the driver. But the driver at the time was playing video games, was not paying attention to the road whatsoever. And they say that, look, these are not complete autonomous vehicles. You still need to pay attention. You can't be a distracted driver. Yes, we make it easier for you. But the whole argument now they start bringing into it is, well, when you go into that mode, you know, people... It's kind of what's... I can see it. What's the point of having an autonomous vehicle if it still requires me to... Right. Hey, it'd be like being on an airplane and the pilot is driving the airplane or flying the airplane, but you need to be in the cockpit watching him the whole but time. But I think there's, <laughs> I think they're saying, yes, hey, we're here and you, you, there's a lot of these features that you can certainly, you know, activate, but you're not at that level four right. yet. You right. are, it is still something, you're not there. You've got to pay attention. So if you completely take your eyes off the road and you're not paying attention, I'm sure you don't have to pay attention as much, but you can't play video games and you can't be watching a movie in the back seat. Sleeping you can't or be taking sleeping. a nap or some, yeah. it's one thing to maybe do your makeup, right. keep an eye on the road. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, we had talked about that in a past episode too. Um, Jamal had brought up that whole scenario where, you know, an autonomous vehicle could be coming down the road and then there could be an old person, a baby or a, a boulder on right. the side and they come around and that collision control doesn't detect it right away because you're going around a bend and then all of a sudden this scenario pops up. So you have one of three choices. You're going right. to hit the old folk. Are you going to hit the baby? Are you going to hit the, the, the boulder? And now it's the car making that making decision, the decision for you. Yep. And yep. so the, the ethics behind it come up too. So those are all. Yeah. And that's the, um, the other thing to remember is that just because you're driving in an autonomous vehicle does not mean everything around you is also in the same state. Right. So to that point of when it's making decisions, but it also has to quickly calculate all of these other variables that it potentially has not learned all of those variables. So another car swerving and something else happening at the same time in like a, a combination of three or four things and you're not paying and add you not paying attention to it on top of it, you lose all control. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, they're still kind of investigating things, but I think that's the uh, initial conclusion is that it's the um, driver's fault. They weren't paying attention to it. Uh, to the road. And um, the, the the full report, I think, is coming out in March 18th. So this all just happened yesterday yeah. uh, in, in New York. So that's the update on Tesla. Oh, that's super interesting. And I uh, I wait for the day that I can test drive a Tesla because 
I have wanted to get my hands. I'm, I'm, I'm actually on thinking one. about getting one. So your son's going to get one. He is going to get one. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, uh, we talked, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but we talked about it at some point where your son's going into, like he's graduating, but he went to school for computer science. Yep, he's in his second year still. Second yep. year. Um, well, second year and he's going to get a test. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I found an interesting story that was, um, all around the tech world and and salaries in the tech world. So one of the things that we hear a lot, and it's very timely, it's it's election year, and we always hear the big banks and Wall Street and this and every all the crooks on Wall Street and everyone making money. And you remember all of like the boiler room movies oh, yeah. and all of that. Like being a finance guy on Wall Street was the way to go. Yep. Like you were. The bee's knees. <laughs> um, but wait for it. Uh, the tech world is far surpassing uh, Wall Street salaries. No so surprise. the average salary of someone in Seattle, um, we'll use that because that's one of like Silicon Valley, yes. Um, but Seattle becoming a major tech, 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 tech territory. You can edit three of those texts out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But the average salary of a tech worker in uh, Seattle is $279,000. No kidding. Compared to $179,000 in New York City on Wall Street. Wow. Uh, So I thought that was really amazing. amazing. And not, uh, not surprising, like, when we look at the whole landscape of technology in general, it's a different career path. It's a, it's more education. Um, well, supply and demand too. I mean, look at what is happening in the tech world. It's exploding and they can't keep up with it. They cannot keep up with the help uh, to, to support the technology that's coming out. Right. Right. And if, when you think about the flip side, what, with the, the, financial world with programs that have been developed, technology, algorithms, reporting, all of that is happening so tech, by itself. Tech kind of broke that, tech that kind industry. Of, <laughs> tech kind of broke, like I know that there obviously is skill and talent um, in order to be a broker on Wall Street or trade, whatever you know, job the, you're but doing. But the AI and machine but the learning. AI and machine learning that everyone in Seattle and Silicon Valley is developing is ultimately making that job simpler right. um, and more automated in a lot of ways. So I thought it was really interesting to co- sort of see like the flip yeah. of uh, Wall Street. Now we're going to be talking about. I mean, everyone's already talking about the tech giants, but now. It's like the money funneling into it, I think, will be the next thing that people start harping on. So the next Boiler Room movies will be all around the tech. Yeah. Well, how many times do I refer to TV shows that are all about (laughs) geeky geeky techs? It is crazy. Um, So that's been a flip. And then uh, coming out of while we're talking about, you know, technology, the tech world of Seattle, um, Amazon, right, just announced their first cashierless they, they did, but even before I do that, I, I, something else that was very interesting because we're talking about tech giants and we're talking about the finance world and oh. and everything. I, I need to talk about. You're gonna catch me in a story, aren't you? <laughs> well, it's got it's Warren Buffett. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm sure that you know this isn't new news anymore. But uh, Warren Buffett just traded in his flip phone for the new iPhone 11. I thought you were gonna say seven. No, I was going to laugh. 
<laughs> Are you laughing at my seven? Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. No, my father-in-law just got a seven too. Don't worry. <laughs> Actually, I think I have an eight. I think we talked about that. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, so he had a, a Samsung SCHU320. Back when they named him with numbers. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so he traded in for an iPhone 11. Uh, guess, guess what his net worth is? Oh, I don't know. 20 million? 300? I don't know. I'm taking... Can I Google it? I, I, no, I have, I have no. it here. You don't have to Google it. $89.5 billion. Bill, whoa. Yeah. He was poor by the numbers <laughs> I just said. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, but that's crazy. So, you know, this guy obviously, and he's, what is he using his, his uh, iPhone, his Apple 11, iPhone 11 for? Taking pictures? Just basically texting and, and calling people. I'd be surprised if he even texts anybody. Wow. I, I, apparently he does because he, he did his first text back in 2013. So... He does know how to text. Oh, so he's been doing T9 texting yes. since 2013. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> or <laughs> click, 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 click. That's it. Can, I can't oh, even believe. That? Oh, oh my God. Was I was, I just had like a flashback to texting with a flip phone and how painfully awful it well, was. Well, it's funny. We talked about that in the Generations podcast that, you know, the, the kids now, the Gen Zs, they grow up with texting. So, of course, they're so quick with the two fingers and I'm still kind of one finger. I try to do the two fingers, but it doesn't. Oh, you know what so I love? So on Sam, and I'm sure you can download a keyboard on Apple, but on Android phones, they have swipe texting. Oh, yeah. Um, which is really, really convenient because you can do it with, although this is tough, the Samsung 9 Note is fairly large um but not uh if you have had even one glass of wine <laughs> swipe doesn't work your proofreading skills of your swept your swipe texting become swept typing. <laughs> it's pretty much <laughs> what it comes out when you try to do it <laughs> yeah i uh i've had a couple where i've sent my husband like a a, a swipe text and he just responds, I have no idea what you <laughs> I have no idea what you're trying Stop to tell swipe me. texting. Between that and autocorrect, who knows what I'm trying to actually yeah. say. But that's pretty amazing news to yeah. upgrade from a flip phone to the iPhone eleven. And then uh, and then he has a little bit of help too. So if he can't if he can't get it set up or or it's broken or he needs help with it, Tim Cook said that he would personally oh fly my God, out there so funny. and set up the phone for him. So there's the ultimate in help desk. Could you imagine? Oh, I hope he needs help and flies yeah. Tim Cook out. That hey, would be honey, a great Tim Cook's at the door. He said he'll help you with your iPhone. <laughs> I can't get my contacts to download. <laughs> How do I send a picture? I can just picture. My father-in-law literally just got a new iPhone, and I was his. I'm always his tech support. I'm his tech support for his phone for his cable um for most the, recently the a walking print, help desk nice most job. recently a printer i was actually uh uh we replaced his brother printer with an hp printer ah. so i am the help desk source for uh for the family for the family good for you yeah which <laughs> if they only knew how yeah. little so so you're the tim <laughs> cook of the family got it <laughs> that's, it. <laughs> that's it um oh speaking of hp too yes so this is uh this is a story we haven't talked about this but uh, just to catch everyone up to speed is uh if unless you've been living under a rock uh you probably have heard about the xerox bid to take over hp so this started happening right around the end um, or beginning of HP's new fiscal year, which was in November. And Xerox is a little, little guy. We're talking. I, I, do, I, want, I don't want to interrupt because. You're going to interrupt me. I'm, I am going to okay. interrupt you and I'm sorry, but I think you just insulted me because I did not know. And so I think I'm living under a rock. 
No, you know, we've talked about this. Mm. <laughs> we, we, we talked about it a little bit this morning and I said, yeah, no, I don't know a whole lot about that. Okay. Well, maybe I just know, maybe I'm a little closer to the printing world yes, okay. than others. Okay. So if you're in the printing world and you haven't heard about this, um, don't be insulted by Penny's don't comment. Don't be insulted. <laughs> Listen, you can't be insulted by someone who says you might be living under a rock when they also say something is the bee's knees. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but okay. So uh, back in November, Xerox made a bid. And just for some perspective, Xerox is set worth about $7.7 billion. HP is worth about $34 billion. Wow. Um, but print is a, a quote unquote declining business with the age of technology. Printing isn't as prevalent, though it is still prevalent. On average, um, 4% of companies' revenues go towards printing. So it's significant, higher and lower in some different segments. But they started a bid. Um, they were doing some liquidation of different parts. Xerox was doing some liquidation of different parts of their business, um, putting some cash investments together. And they made a bid, I think, I think um, all this is coming from memory. I think their first offer came out at like $18 a share and HP's uh, shares were trading at about 22 at the time. Uh, so back and forth, back and forth, make a bid. Uh, HP would decline. Xerox would make another bid. HP would decline. Um, then it got a little uh, edgier uh, with some finagling around their shareholders and their board trying to, you know, a lot of the headlines were reading hostile takeover and want to, you know, it's it almost seemed like a, a show on HBO. Like, what's the new show? I watched way too much TV, <laughs> by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there was a there's another one with like a family in the media. Here we are today, and HP closed their uh, their first quarter of the year at the end of January. It's been a hard no since November. And then uh, new chief executive officer Enrique Lores made a statement that he said he would be willing to explore how this could potentially benefit and have growth opportunities for both companies. Mm. So it was kind of a statement, but a non-statement at the same time. It wasn't saying absolutely not. HP will forge ahead as HP with no other players, but it also didn't actually have any committal to it to Xerox. So who knows if... It opens the door a little bit. It opens the door a little bit. And there's some other players out there. There's um, there's Rico and there's Canon, which, you know, HP and Xerox do some manufacturing business with already, I believe, with Canon. So it's just sort of an interesting one to watch um, because HP is both a personal system. They have a personal system portion of the business and then a PC, uh, print portion of the business. And so they just had a lot of organizational changes and Xerox flies in. So it's just one of those, if you are in the printing world, this is like an interesting story to follow. So, so you say it's interesting, but do you think that it strengthens HP's position? From where I sit, I don't think it would strengthen HP's position if, if ultimately Xerox acquired them. I, I can't see how that would make sense to mm. give up their print division. I think they're re-strategizing right now on how to, you know, keep revenue in the print business. And they've done a lot around their supply chain with their, you know, ink and toner. They've made too much of an investment to give it all away right. to Xerox is, is my thinking. But do I think that they might be able to, they've already partnered with Xerox in a few different ways. Xerox, um, 
manufacturers some of their toner for them. Um, they also are helping deploy device as a service um, on the PC side. You know, that was a story last year um, that we'll probably see more of towards the end of this year. Um, so I think HP could benefit from absorbing Xerox, but I don't I don't see it happening on the flip side. But and, and people you, much smarter yeah. and more powerful than me make that decision. You think the chats would ever flip where HP would actually make an offer to Xerox to purchase Xerox? I don't know. Yeah. Because right now uh, they're doing they're doing a lot to, I think, with new leadership, like they're trying to, I think, figure out where to make investments and where they need to reduce costs. And, you know, they announced at the beginning of the year that they were doing a lot of layoffs as part of their restructuring. Um, but I think that that's part of, let's re like we were talking about Google last week. It's not that we're laying people off because we don't have the money to pay them. It's that we need to grow additional areas of the business. And here's where we might have redundancy or a lack of innovation. Right. I, you know, I may or may not be with, at an international conference with HP in March where we may or may not get more information about this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to be as uh, vague but open as I possibly we'll can call be. Her Penny Ambivalent Conway. No, I, so personally, I would love it if HP took over Xerox because mm. that eliminates a massive area of competition. For me in my Stop personal the life. competition. <laughs> but that's a, a personal preference. Do I think it would be more efficient to not constantly compete against each other? Abs absolutely. Do I think it would be easier for customers to just adopt whatever print solution they want? Absolutely. Right. Um, but I don't know where that leaves either company in that equation. But good for the customer. Something to watch. Something to watch. And uh, it's interesting. So speaking of expanding into different markets and stuff, I don't know if you saw this, but Amazon, going to go back to Amazon here, they just opened up their first cashierless supermarket. Yes. So we know that Amazon got into a new market. They got into the, um, the food industry. Uh, and I think it was back in uh, 2017 is when they purchased Whole Foods for $13.7 billion. So now they are looking to um, really kind of take all of their tech and put it into that world right now. And so they opened up this cashierless supermarket, which um, this has been like five years in the making now. And it's opened up on the Capitol Hill area in Seattle mm -hmm. that we just talked about. Yeah. And it's about a quarter of the size of a, a normal store. I think normal stores have about 40,000 square feet. And this mm -hmm. one's going to be about 10,000 square feet. Um, and so that's probably like the size of a Trader Joe's, would, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So they're not they're not trying to take over Whole Foods. They're not trying to give you that. They're just right. um, trying to make things a little more convenient, and it's definitely kind of geared more toward the Gen Z type world out there. And it's a full grocery store, right? Because I remember they did like the pop up convenience stores a yeah, couple the, of years the back. Go Marts. So yeah, and I don't know if those took off. They didn't, and I think they were a little too intrusive, and that was, uh, you know, part of the the rub on those is they really felt like it was a Big Brother experience there. Yeah. So although this is still got the Big Brother there, they really made it more into more of a shopping experience okay. than, than that. Um, but same type of concept anyway. Uh, and so uh, it was interesting. I watched the video on how this thing works, and it's really cool. <laughs> so it starts with an app, like everything. Yeah. And you go in there and you go through a turnstile. So you take your uh, your barcode, your your um, QV, QV, QVC, 
<laughs> oh my god. QR. Q- Q- <laughs> Your QR code. Uh, your QVC <laughs> code. Oh my god. Okay, boomer. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. Okay, ahead. boomer. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then you, so you scan that and you get into the turnstile, and then it's it's really a a grab and bag um, process from there. So you go in there, and they use computer vision. Uh, they use deep learning algorithms. They use a thing called sensor fusion, fusion, and something that they've dubbed as just walkout technology. So you walk in there and you can actually grab a, uh, an item and you put it into your bag and through the cameras and the technology, they, they know what. So you're not scanning anything. You're not scanning it. You're just taking it and you're putting it into a bag. That's nuts. It is nuts. And here's the other weird thing. So it detects that if you take it out of your bag and put it back up, it knows that it's not in your bag now and it, it detects that as it goes back up. So through this location finder in the app, it, it sees things that you're doing and it, it sees what you're grabbing. And so is that. it is it calculating as things are going into my bag? Can I look at my app and see items that are being added? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe because uh, the, the way the video worked, it said when you walked out of the turnstile is when everything was added up and then it was charged to your Amazon see account. See that as a consumer, that's where I would be like, whoa, like I want to see how much I'm and it might work that way. I just don't know. I don't want unless to. there's as long as there's price. I guess there would be prices on things on the shelf. Right. Okay. As long as there's price because I do the same thing at the grocery store. I have like a mental tally and then like have a contest how close I am to, on my grocery bill. Yeah, and they do so like the food and stuff. They can't weigh it. Uh, that you know the technology right. isn't there. So they've individually priced the the foods. Like a banana would be nineteen cents. Okay. An avocado would be forty nine. That's cents. how Trader jo- Trader Joe's does not do by the pound either. Okay. They do per. So same thing yeah so it's really interesting and uh the the other thing that's kind of wild about this so the grocery industry is an 800 billion dollar industry wow yeah i I, trust me i invest in it (laughs) (laughs) don't we all and that and that's the part about it and so people are saying it's it's really difficult to break into this market and it's a really difficult market to make money Mm -hmm. at because it's you know you're dealing with perishables you're dealing with like crazy supply chain um very low margins and so a lot of times you know people come and go and it's they just can't make money at this so they're kind of scratching their heads saying you know why would amazon do that well amazon wants to do that because they have 150 million prime members worldwide right yeah. now and something like this gets in front of more shoppers and and more people and right and the infrastructure is already there the infrastructure like they're not there. like they don't have they have overhead but it's a different overhead than traditional grocery stores right their big thing on this though their big play is they're trying to get in front of as many people as possible so that they're uttering the phrase amazon on a daily basis and so it was the, somebody made a statement, who else except Amazon can make the entire grocery category a lost leader? <laughs> I mean, think about so that. True. It is so true. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's my story on Amazon. I thought that was really interesting. That is really cool. I, um, I would actually love to, to test it. I actually really like grocery shopping. I, it's not something that I mind. And I, I actually enjoy technology being a part of my grocery shopping experience. Me too. And I hate, um, I hate shopping. So, you know, bag it up and have it delivered to my door and I'm good. Yeah. Oh, I used Instacart for the first time when I went on vacation and cool. it was magical. I don't have good grocery stores tapped into Instacart around me, so I don't use it at home, but I've used Hannaford to go where I've picked up my groceries. Um, 
So I, I welcome, honestly, I welcome a store that I can just go into, get my stuff, not have to talk to anybody and just, and just Just, leave. Like I go to the grocery store super early, so I don't have to deal with a lot of people, but at the same time, like the meat isn't all out, the fish isn't all out. So it like, there's an inconvenience factor. So, and, uh, whole foods, I actually go to way more. Oh. Now, um, as a prime member so than Amazon, I ever did. Amazon before. owns you. <laughs> I will say it. I've said it since the day I got Amazon Prime. Am I will be a giant fan of Amazon for the rest of my life. Yeah, but it's, it is a glimpse into the future. So we, you know, the, like the Tesla for me was a, a true glimpse into the future. And this, the, you know, cashless supermarket, it's all here now. Yeah. You know, the stuff that you were seeing in the movies years ago, it's it's here now. It's it crazy. is. It is. And why I will be a lifelong user of Amazon as it stands today, someone could disrupt them at any time, but they make my, it truly makes my life more convenient. And yeah. that's all I care about. <laughs> Not all I care about. <laughs> wow, but from sad a sad existence. <laughs> no, from like actually an Amazon distribution center just opened up right down the street from us. And now we get things in four hours if it's at that facility. Right. Like that is. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy crazy wonderful to me considering there is a home depot um i think i may have told you this story once before a home depot right by my house a target right by my house and you go there and there's some malfunction or they don't have anything and then i have to leave and i've spent 30 40 minutes of my time accomplishing nothing i order it on amazon this new distribution center it's at my door in four hours right. you, like and at a good price. And at a good price. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a I'm a big fan. So I have one more, and this uh, this goes. I feel like I talk about this near every week, but we're gonna make this my as a service installment. You know, we're gonna do an as a service installment every week. So we're week. gonna do a, a, a subset of the subset of <laughs> yes. the station. Okay. <laughs> so everyone, you know, people will listen just to get the new the latest news <laughs> on pennies as a penny as a service. Perfect. Um. No, I mentioned Netflix last week when we were talking about the cloud. That was one of like the big, you know, biggest or one of the first like cloud adoption consumer products that we had. And we talked about, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about Disney Plus sort of disrupting uh, the streaming services at the end of the year last year. Um, Netflix did uh, made a press release, which wait for it. This is going to knock your socks off that they are going to start um, tallying up and feeding back information to Netflix subscribers, the top 10 shows and top 10 movies that are being watched every single day across 100 countries. So by everybody. So riveting news coming out of Netflix <laughs> that they have an algorithm to capture what people are watching. Go figure. <laughs> but no, how Netflix is set up now, and Jamal mentioned this in our last AI podcast, like it's just based on like you, same thing like a shopping cart. You watch this, so you may like this. And it's very like personally tailored to you. But Netflix has seen a massive decline in subscribers. Um, and really Disney, the Disney Plus emergence really caused that where they lost, um, 1.1 million subscribers to Disney Plus within a month's time. Wow. Um, 24 million people subscribed to Disney Plus when so, it came so out. So they had they had stats that showed that they unsubscribed from Netflix and subscribed to Disney Plus. Is that how that worked? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so there. <laughs> How does it feel, Penny? <laughs> Rob just got me. <laughs> so maybe not, but they probably have, they probably, like, it's two things. It's more than a coincidence. 
So Disney Plus launches and 24 million people subscribe to Disney Plus and uh, Netflix in the same time period loses 5.8% of their subscriptions. Okay. So they're making assumptions, which they're is making logical ass- assumptions. Yes, logical assumptions. Because on Netflix, there was a lot of Disney content. There was all of the Marvel content, like all of the series. There was Daredevil. There was Jessica Jones. There was all of these shows that were people were flocking to Netflix to watch. Did Disney pull those from Netflix? Disney pulled everything Uh, that was Disney off Netflix. All right, I got it. Yeah. So really, Netflix. So for people, and this I'm a little bit of a backstory. Uh, Back in 1995 was when I think they were really starting the DVD. like mailing or 1998 was they were mailing out DVDs. I the beginning of the end. Yes. I actually believe that I was probably in the first million subscribers on Netflix. Um, I love Netflix. I thought I watched clearly I watch a lot of TV and have like the first series I watched um, with the DVDs was sex in the city and uh, 24 like back to back, binge, binge watched all day long, loved it, loved it so much. I was taking a public speaking course in my local community college and I did a speech to persuade everybody to get Netflix and they did. Wow. <laughs> so I have always had Netflix for, for now decades. <laughs> yeah. Like so over Netflix, a decade. If you're listening and you could send Penny a little bit of commission checks, you would right? much appreciate that. So, but <laughs> here's the thing here. I sit now almost two decades in, they got rid of Blockbuster. They took over the TV streaming. And every time I'm on Netflix, I'm trying to wonder, I'm trying to figure out why I'm still watching Netflix because mm. I watch The Office, which is NBC's content, or I watch Friends, which is NBC's content. Uh, Netflix paid $100 million last year to license um, NBC's uh, Friends show, which was three times more than they paid the year before. So they are middle, they've become a true middleman and they're trying to build up their original content and they're losing subscribers. And there was like, remember uh, the bird movie where the Sandra Bullock had to cover her eyes? Like that was oh, an right. original content um, movie, but it had traction for like a week and then everyone stopped talking about it. So what Netflix announced is that every day they are going to across 100 countries. They've tested this in the UK and in Mexico. Um, Each individual country is going to get a feed of what everyone else in the country is watching for TV shows and movies for two minutes or more. So now I've watched plenty on Netflix and turned it off after two minutes, but that's the current state of their algorithm. So when you walk in, I mean, when you log in, you're going to see instead of recommended because you watched X, Y, and Z, you're going to see um, like number one, number two, number three cataloged of the, t- the most watched programs on the platform. And what they're hoping for is that as people watch more original content, because their investment in original content is getting much higher, it'll start positioning the, the non-licensed content before the licensed I content. I see. Okay. Um, so right now, like they're really, um, they're really in that that position that many companies find themselves in when they were the disruptor. They're finding themselves in that position of going, okay, well, what we did in 1998 was great. What we did in 2007 when we were the first streaming service was great. But 2020, we're getting our butts kicked by Disney Plus. Um, 
NBC, as soon as NBC has like a soul streaming service, they're going to pull friends. They're going to pull right. the office. They're going to start pulling all their content. And now well, because everybody looks at that and says, why aren't we doing this? And right. they, they do, they start to pull it back. And as we see that, you know, people, more and more people are starting to cut the cord. Um, all of these, the, the networks and stuff are like, all right, we have to now adapt ourselves to what users are doing. Right. And if it's all going to be a la carte, then we might as well have our own content out there. And then, you know, maybe we work with the networks and they're going to, you, you'll start to see those bundles, the network bundle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the, you're right. They're going to pull that and, net, and Netflix will be going, oh, so how do you combat that? It's their, you know, their original content. Right. I don't know how else they would do it. And it's not for, and not all their stuff is bad, but not all of it is real great either. Right. Um, it was great when it was the only thing. Um, but Apple, when Apple TV um, launched, that was only a couple of months ago too. It was right after Disney, I feel like. Like their original shows got a lot of traction. They came out of the gate with Jennifer Amazon Aniston. Amazon Prime has all the Amazon Prime. Content. Although Amazon Prime, like their content is getting better. It's taken them a long time. But again, that's why I've always admired Amazon. Like they stay the course. They don't always hop on trends and they slowly gain traction um, to build their user base. And right. so they're not always like bobbing and weaving trying to like figure out what to do um but i thought it was i thought it was interesting and Very i interesting. if i could make a prediction um my guess is within the next five years um netflix will probably merge with someone else mm. or yeah yeah or or just do like disney did and have a lot of acquisitions along the way i mean that's part of the mergers but yeah they would have a lot to of mini acquisitions. yeah it's so that could be the the instead of that could be the new bundling of cable, right? What if like Netflix and Comcast get together or other cable providers and then you've got this now cable. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's an interesting story to watch and just where it was one of the first ones on the scene for, you know, the streaming as a service. I thought it was a neat one to cover. So we'll see what happens. Right. Cool. Yeah. Very good. All right. We talked about a lot today. Yeah, we did. So <laughs> this was a long one. Uh, we talked uh, about your test drive with Tesla um, and really the growth of an, uh, development of autonomous vehicles. Big news with Warren Buffett finally getting his iPhone. I, we will stay tuned to see if Tim Cook makes a trip out um, to New York for a tech support visit. <laughs> uh, we will keep you posted on the Xerox uh, bid to take over HP. And keep an eye on what is happening with Amazon's new grocery store and Netflix's next uh, phase of development. So that is what the tech just happened last this week. <laughs> yes. We talked so much. My my closing is getting fumbly. Um, so stay tuned for next week uh, to find out what the tech just happened. And feel free to email us at podcast or podcast at connection.com to let us know what you thought of this episode and be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to to make sure you get episodes as they're released. Don't forget to like us and share us. That's right. All right, Rob, have a good day. You too. Take we'll care. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.